So we continue our sermon series about uh, doubt, and uh, we've been on this journey together. We, well, we wrestle with the doubts of, you know, is um, is God real? Is um, is the Bible real? Is heaven real? And and today we're going to talk a little bit about is um, is prayer real? And, and before we get started, um, I I did put together um, for you all last week. I did some teaching and some really some strong exegetical work. I tried to do my best to talk about when Jesus talked, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And so we put together these um, for you all this week. If you want to take one of these home, there's a little card and it described some of the things I put on the chart last week. And I hope that might be helpful. And also the idea is um, the seven I am saying, I'm the bread of life, the light of the world, good shepherd, the gate, resurrection, the way and the truth of life and the true vine. So that might be helpful you all. And we provide that for you today. And, and so um, I want to share with you all just a few pieces of scripture that um, might be helpful as we uh, launch into this about prayer today. And so let me share with you all um, uh, one from the uh, Old Testament and uh, two or three from the New Testament. Uh, and so here are these words from the book of Psalms. Oh my God, I cry by, cry by day and night, but you do not answer. And by night you find no rest from the book of Psalms, the 22 second. 22nd chapter from the book of John if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you and from the book of Luke the 22nd chapter father if it is your will take this cup from this cup of supper cup of suffering away from me however not my will but thy will be done and from the book of Matthew um, we hear these words from Jesus he says Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone who among you who if your child asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if a child asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake? If you then are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father and heaven give good things to those who just ask of him this is the word of god for the people of god uh, thanks be to god amen and amen so i want to share with you all just um uh, a couple i'm going to start with this quote I, I found this this week about prayer and it goes something like this uh, to pray is to desire but it is to desire what god would have for us desire who desires not from the bottom of his heart offers a deceitful prayer. So um, I, I got um, a couple of emails this last week, and one of well, actually a couple of them actually had to do with um, with prayer. And and the first one came from one of my friends who was struggling with um, about how to pray. And and the essence of what he was saying is, is Harold, you know, there are so many people out there in so much greater need than me. And, um, but I also, and, um, and maybe this is something you have struggled with as well, that maybe you feel guilty about praying for yourself. And, you know, we think about all the catastrophic things that have happened in uh, South Florida this last week. And, and so he was struggling with, you know, um, I, in my life, I, I have a tendency, I, I, I'm struggling with the idea of praying for myself. And so I, I tried to help him kind of understand the importance of, of uh, that you you know it's important that we do pray for ourselves and that's okay because the more healthier you are it puts you in a better position to help other people and, and i really believe that and that the best analogy that i could come up with is and it sounds this may sound a little like a stretch but like for example when you get on an airplane and you um the they come on the pa system the steward or steward starts explaining about all the things in case there's an emergency right chances are there's not gonna be an emergency but if cases an emergency and the air mass drops down if you have a small child make sure that you put the oxygen on yourself first 
in order to make sure that you can help your child. And so there's an impulse as a parent, you would want to go help your child first, but there's a sense that you need to help yourself first in order to help other people. And I thought that was actually maybe a, I just made that up actually, so I thought that was actually pretty good. And the second thing is, um, the second email I got um, this last week and I thought was actually very powerful and it had to do with prayer, and this had to do with one of our members of our church praying for our husband. And um, her struggling with doubts. And she says to me, you know, um, when my husband got sick, I prayed to God to, put, to help him. And th- then I began to put him in his hands. And when his condition worsened, I wrestled with doubt. Then the idea came to me, if I put him in God's hands, there would be no doubt that God would take care of him and give him all the tools in order to get better. No worries. She says, so I prayed, thanking God daily for the small improvements I saw each day that all the people and all the people praying were all working. I envisioned God slapping his forehead and saying, oh my gosh, another prayer for this particular individual. She said, the bottom line is there surely is a, there is a God. He listens to our prayers, gives enough, gives enough to handle adversity, pain, happiness. Prayer works. God is real and lives amongst us. There is no doubt. And so um, then I started thinking about, and I didn't get to this last week, and this came from, um, this email came from my friend Lynn Sweet. And um, so I, I was, I had a chance to preach on Saturday night, and I had a little bit more time to uh, preach, and so um, I didn't get to this. And so I asked Lynn this question about last week going back to talking about heaven, and that, and the, 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 the tagline, or the, the scripture lesson, that I am the way and the truth, like no one comes to the Father but my me. And so, um, so when I when I asked now, Lynn Sweet is he's brilliant. I mean, he is. Matter of fact, Lynn Sweet was known, he actually um, received this kind of declaration as one of the most influential Christians in the world. That's pretty big. And um, he's a phenomenal writer, and he's a really good friend of mine. And so when I get stumped on something, I really want to ask. I always I go to him. I say, Lynn, can you just maybe um, throw an idea this way? And so he shared with me, and, and, and the essence of what he's talking about here, he talks about, and um, well, let me put this up on the screen, the, the word, and the key word that he shares with, he talks about um, omnipotent and actually omnipresent. And the word omni actually means all. And um, so omnipotent means having unlimited power and omnipresent means that God is present everywhere at all times, okay? And so what's interesting, when he talked about and his perspective about God, he says, you know, to understand, Harold, what Jesus is seeing in my view, um, that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth of life, is to recognize the omnipresence of God. We believe that in the omnipresence of evil, there are temptest badness and temptations everywhere, but... We fail to believe in the other truth, that there is God, Jesus, and goodness everywhere. The omnipresence of Jesus is even greater than the omnipresence of evil. See, so that, um, and then he goes on, um, that's why everyone I meet, I expect to find Jesus at work in them. Whether they know it or not, or identify it as Jesus or not. Whatever is good, true, and beautiful, the three transcendents, God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's Jesus, because that is his nature and being. Sometimes I sense Jesus more in even atheists or maybe Muslims or even Christians, and often I say, that is so Jesus of you. That I'm always looking for the signs of Jesus in culture and people. We forget that Jesus was not even a Christian. 
Jesus is not about making us into Christians, but in making us the human beings God intended us to be. Jesus is the second Adam. It is all about being human and bettering humanity. Jesus is the greater human who, the greatest human ever lived. Jesus is your best shot at being human. And where there is the best in humanity, there's Jesus. Where there is goodness, where there is Jesus, there there is beauty, there's Jesus. Where there is truth, there's Jesus. So yes, no one comes to the Father but through me, just my two sins, Lynn. So let me share with you this. So I started thinking about this because I was putting in perspective about this, this theme about prayer today. So we have, you know, omni means all, omnipotent means having unlimited power, omnipresent means God is present everywhere and at all times. So I, I was put in perspective about when I, when I, my personal relationship with God, and there have been times in my life, and we're struggling with the question today is, you know, the idea, um, sometimes our prayers that we pray for go unanswered, or maybe we don't get the answer that we're looking for in our life. And so um, the question that came pop into my head today was, okay, we believe in an omnipresent God, God is, or omnipotent God, have an unlimited power. So, but there are times in life, and I think that we kind of balance this, and this is be real about our relationship with God, because there are times in which we've doubted, just like I read just an email of someone who is struggling with their life because they were afraid their husband, something, you know, this calamity has happened, this crisis has happened. So there's this struggle that we go on. So we believe in omnipotent God. So the question that sometimes in our life, is God omnipotent or is God impotent? I mean, is he helpless? Because I asked God for something and yet he's not delivering. It's like, hello, are you awake? Are you listening? So the question I'm presenting for us to think about today in our prayer life, because there are times, and I guarantee you, there are everybody in this room has prayed something and we didn't get the answer or get the response that we we're hoping for. So the question that we all struggle with is kind of dynamic in our prayer life is God omnipotent or impotent? For example, um, can you put that first slide up of my friend Chuck and Linda up here? So this is a picture of my friend Chuck and Linda Malu. This picture was actually taken just outside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It was taken a few years ago. They went to the Holy Land with me. So Chuck was one of my dearest friends. Matter of fact, I got a, um, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years ago, I got a call from my friend Bill Barnes, who was the senior pastor at St. Luke's United Methodist Church. He says, Harold, guess what? I'm sending you a gift. I said, what's that? And he says, I'm seeing you two of my strongest leaders in my church. And guess what they're doing? They're moving to the villages. <laughs> and I said, great. And so I had a chance to sit down and I, had, I took Chuck to lunch and we had a beautiful time together. I got to know him and got to know his heart and his spirit and got to know Linda. And, um, and then um, Chuck um, came aboard and he's, I put him in a leader, asked to be a part of a leadership team. And, he was, and Chuck was just a brilliant person. He was an um, a executive for Walt Disney traveled all over the world. He was one of the strategic planner persons. He just had this unbelievable mind. And he also, not only did he great, do great things for Disney, but he also did great things for our church, but he also did things for the Floor Conference. He was completely sold out and just loved Jesus. And he became one of my dearest friends. So he got the cancer, he got prostate cancer. And so we prayed that God would heal him. And he did, and it was a beautiful thing. He got better, and then he went to the Holy Land with me, and there he saw the picture. And then just after he came back from the Holy Land, and I noticed that he was struggling carrying his suitcases. 
And then he went and got checked out and his cancer all came back. And what did I do? And what did we do? We continue to pray that God would heal Chuck, right? My, my own personal journey. So I knew that Chuck was dying. And so I asked my son Cameron, who is the poet in our family, and I said, Cameron, um, this is actually several years ago, I said, Cameron, do you think that, you know, my friend Chuck's dying? I said, do you think that you could just write a poem for him? And he says, sure, Dad, I can do that. So no joke, Cameron goes to his room, and I don't know, maybe 10, 12 minutes, 10 or 12 minutes, he comes out, and he scribbles this just on a little piece of paper, right? And he hands it to me, he says, here's your poem. And then, um, so he wrote this poem, and I said, Cameron, would you go with me to go see Chuck? And maybe you could read the poem for him. He says, sure, Dad, I can, I can do that. So this was um, the title of this, and I shared this with you before, this entitled Your Last Period. So it was written for Chuck. He says, you know, the best way to describe the Holy Spirit is the breath of humanity. And in your last moment, breathe in the Holy Spirit. And when you exhale for the last time, your soul will be guided by the Holy Spirit into a new. So don't fear death. And when you see him at your front door, Take his hand and lead the way because there is nothing more beautiful in life than to put your last period and your story into play. See you there, Cam. So Cameron read that poem and the tears started streaming down Chuck's face. And you know, little did we know that he was going to die maybe two or three days later. Yeah. And, and Linda, his widow, loved that poem so much, she actually put it on Chuck's bulletin for his memorial service. The last poem was written for Chuck Malley. So, you know, I, I struggle with that because, you know, we've all struggled with, you know, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Are you, are you omnipotent or are you impotent? Are you omnipresent or not? True story, the, um, uh, when I was a youth minister in uh, Lakeland, um, I had a summer um, opportunity to serve on their team there as a youth pastor. And so then they hired a full-time youth minister. So I basically became his assistant and his name was Kevin. And I love Kevin. Kevin's just a great person and he did phenomenal jobs as a, with the youth minister there. He just had a gift. And so one day... Um, one of the youth called us at the church office, and her name was Brooke, and she says, Kevin, I need for you to come, you and Harold, come rescue me. And, um, I, and she says, I don't know what to do. My car's broken down, and so my, kid, my parents are out of town, and she was just in a panic. She was a teenage girl and just panicking. She said, and so Kevin says, okay, we'll come. And so she was in, I think she was in the Walmart parking lot in Lakeland, so we went over and found her, and there she was, stranded. And then Kevin, and I'll never forget this, Kevin turned to me and says, Harold, we don't have time for this. I said, what do you mean? He says, we don't have time for this. He says, we've got other things we've got to do. He says, you know what? Um, here's what we're going to do. He says, we're going to lay hands on the car, and we're going to pray that God's going to heal his car right here on the spot. And I said, you are nuts. He says, shut up and listen to me. Put your hand on the car. So I said, okay. So I laid my hands on the car. He prayed. She, he says, Brooke, turn the ignition on. <laughs> Turns right on. I said, hallelujah. It's a miracle, right? 
true story. I am not making that up. Okay. The reason why I tell you that story is this. Why would God answer a silly prayer like, let me, you know, heal a car, but he's not going to heal my best friend Chuck from cancer? Are you omnipotent, God, or are you impotent? We've all struggled with that in our life. You know, it's interesting. Um, this last week, you know, we, oh my gosh, we went through this hurricane. It was just, it's terrible. And, you know, we just, and we were, we have been, we should be very grateful because it, it could have been a lot worse um, in our area. And of course, we're grateful that and been blessed that it didn't come and um, hurt us, but it did hurt a lot of other people. And so what's very interesting, you think about and watching the news report, reports, and once again, it's one of those dilemmas when you think about our prayer life. Okay, so we're praying that the hurricane doesn't come, come ashore, right? And, or don't let it come our direction, but then it's going to go some other direction because the forces of nature and the universe is that God put it all together, and guess what? There's hurricanes. And, you know, chances are if you're going to build a house on the coast of Florida, at some point you might get pummeled with a hurricane. And and so the question is, you know, how do we, when we pray, how do we pray that prayer, right? I mean, I placed a whole lot of faith in God, but you know, here's what, I placed a whole lot of faith in my friend Tony. Here's, do you have a picture of Tony up in, I love that guy, Tony. He's on channel two, and I placed a lot of faith in Tony this last week. I listened to him. He was pretty spot on. We saw a lot of Tony, and you get it, right? Um, and yet, Somehow we continue to pray and we're trying to figure that out. God, are you impotent? Are you omnipotent? Uh, here's another one. You think about our prayer life and oh, guess what? Okay, so there was a lot of college football on yesterday. There's, college, there's professional football games on tonight or today. Uh, we got uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got Tom Brady is going to be playing tonight at 8.15 against uh, Patrick Mahone at Kansas City. It's a big game. It's a marquee game of this week. And so people are, guess what? I guarantee you there are going to be people who were praying yesterday and praying, and they're going to be, you know, the game's going to come down the line, and you can watch. And they, sometimes the, the TV producers, especially in college football, they, they focus on some young 20-year-old who's in the stands, and they're just praying, right, that the person either either makes the field goal or misses the field goal. How does God answer that one? Well, here's a, here's a, great, here's a great analogy about that one. Like, uh, can you put that picture of the Rose Bowl? This is taken a few years ago, TCU playing Wisconsin. Okay, so you have to have, there's about 120,000 people in the Rose Bowl that day, right? So 60,000 are in red and 60,000 are in the, in the purple. And so how's God gonna answer that question? And that prayer. You figured that one out, right? That's above my pay grade. So when we look at our lives, we say, okay, where is God in the midst of our prayer life and how God is, you know, how's God handling all this? And so there are times in my life that God's answered my prayers and there are times in which I think that God has just said, you know what, Harold, no. And that's the answer. And yet what's very interesting, what do we do with um, Scripture that says, ask and it would be given you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives and who seeks, finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Or here's another one. I mean, Jesus seems to be saying that if you have enough faith, again, truly, I tell you, if, if, you, if two of you on earth agree about anything that, at, 
they ask for, it will be done for them by my heavenly Father in heaven, Matthew 18, or in John 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask him whatever, whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Or here's another one. Jesus says, hey, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do whatever is done to the fig tree, but also you can say to the mountain, go and throw yourself into sea, and it's going to be done. If you believe and receive whatever you ask in prayer. I mean, and so does this mean that Jesus is basically kind of just giving us this blank check on our prayer life? And that's really not what Jesus is saying because it almost seems like, you know, okay, well, if you have enough faith, then, you know, anything you ask for that I'm going to be able to give you exactly what you ask for. And it really, you know, here's the reality. It doesn't really work that way in life. Here's a, here's, here's, here's a thought. So, so what happens is, and this I call this really, really bad theology. And this is what I would say. Some people may dare to say to you, you know what? When you ask for that, I don't understand why God didn't answer Mary. Well, you didn't have enough faith. That's bad theology. Matter of fact, here's one time there was a lady who told Mrs. Hendren, you don't have enough faith. And I want you to know that did not turn out real well. Because you do not tell Mrs. Hendren she didn't have any faith. Because I tell you what, Mrs. Hendren has got a lot of faith. I've been married to her for over 30 years, and I've never met anybody who has been more faithful in her prayer life and her love for her family and love for God and love for the gospel. That was the wrong thing to say. So when you think about this and put it in perspective, I mean, when you're asking yourself, I mean, what I think it's really very powerful when you think about when Jesus, when he healed people, did he say to them, like he healed the woman who was hemorrhaging for all those years, um, hey, do you have enough faith? Or he healed Bart, blind Bartimaeus, do you have enough faith? And he healed the lepers, do you have enough faith? But he healed the paralytic, do you have enough faith? You know what, Jesus didn't ask the question, do you have enough faith? Matter of fact, with the beginning of the sermon series, I began with the, Jesus healed the, the father's son who was, uh, had a demonic in him. And, and the father says, and Jesus says, do you have faith? And he says, well, yeah, Lord, I do have, but help my, un, help my unbelief. Help, my, help me with my faith, right? And yet what's very powerful, yet Jesus continues to ask us to have faith and continued to reach for a deeper amount of faith. Um, I think that it's really, this is really important for us to understand when it comes to our faith and our prayer life and the, the depth of our, our prayer, uh, prayer life. I thought, I heard this this last week and I thought this was really interesting because if you've ever had doubts, I want you to know you're in pretty good company. You ready? For example, the first person who actually doubted the virgin birth is a guy named Joseph. The, the first people who doubted the resurrection were the disciples. Matter of fact, there were 10, and then there was one that was not there, and then his name was Thomas, and he doubted too until Jesus showed up. So what I, the reason I shared that with you is that, you know, many of us in our lives, we've all doubted. We, we have questioned. This is the reality of life, but, you know, we're, we don't have perfect faith. There are times in which, and I call this sanctification. This is what Wesley talked about. This is the part of the journey that we're all on as human beings and, and that we struggle sometimes. God, I, I know that you're omnipotent, but sometimes it almost seems like, the, where are you? Are you omnipotent or are you impotent? This is the struggle that we have in life. 
So I was reflect upon that this week, once again this weekend, and there are times in our life, and I guarantee you that we've all been rattled at some point in our life. Everybody in this room has been rattled in their faith. I remember the first time that, and I was so young and naive, and I remember, I think it was maybe 10, 11, 12, I went out for the basketball team, and um, I didn't make it. I was devastated, okay? So think about this. I'm just a kid, and basketball was so important to me, and I was, when I, when I came home, I was so rejected, and I said, Dad, I had prayed to God that he'd help me and that I would make the basketball team, and I didn't make it, and I just cried, and my father helped me, and it actually was a teaching, learning moment. And it, I didn't realize it was actually a theological moment, but it really was a theological moment. And I call this prevenient grace, God working through my father, working behind the scenes to help shape, shape who I am today. Because it was my first point in my life that I really started connecting dots, that sometimes I pray, and sometimes I realize that God's omnipotent, but then, you know, I'm not always going to get the answer to my prayer that I hope for. Yeah. So once again, I, I'm reflecting upon this and sometimes our lives that we've all been rattled in our lives. And so what's very interesting, when you look at these quotes that I just read to you from Jesus, and so let me just teach for a second. Do you realize that when Jesus talked about moving mountains and talked about the mustard seed and, you know, it would grow, and when he, a lot of times he was talking a hyperbole, and hyperbole means an exaggeration. And um, so like, um, I'm so hungry that I could eat a horse, right? Okay, so that's hyperbole. And so what Jesus is doing here, and, and so we have to ourselves when Jesus talked about, okay, you know, uh, it's easier for, um, uh, for, uh, uh, for a person to, well, it's, it's not, when he talked about, uh, about wealth, he says it's more difficult for a wealthy person to go through the eye of, uh, eye of an evil, excuse me, the camel to go through the eye of the needle. I knew I'd get that right. Okay, you get it, right? You've heard that text. It's hyperbole. Okay, so my point is, why does Jesus use these kind of exaggerations and hyperbole when he's referring to, you know, faith in a prayer life? And so what's, I think, maybe the point that Jesus is saying is that we should pray boldly and that we continue to trust and believe because, and I love this, his point is, is trust God with your prayer life. People of deep faith ask for deep things. Let me say that again. So people of deep faith, we continue to ask for deep things. So um, last night, um, Don and I went to, um, to see our friend Joanne Webb, who was dying. And I love Joanne. She's just been a, a, her and her husband, Ron, have been part of our church for, I don't know, maybe 15. I don't know how long they've been members before me. She's one of the gracious people. I, so I, we've gone to, matter of fact, Donna went to see her yesterday morning. She says, Harold, um, you know, she's dying. And so um, I, we went last night to go see her. And um, I walked in, and um, I, I just, I held her hair at hand, and we just, and I knew she was dying. And I, I spent a lot of time just talking about heaven. That's all we talked about, getting ready for heaven. And she heard me because I know she heard me because she was responding. Okay, so um, on the way out, um, what was really interesting is um, after I prayed, 
I said, Donna, do you want to pray? She said, no, it's okay. And then on the way out, we're walking out the door, and um, uh, my friend Ken and his wife were there, and um, Ron uh, was there. And Donna stops, and she says, you know, I, I feel like I need to have like a little side prayer. And I said, okay. So um, we were going out the door, and she held, we held, held hands. She says, you know, Harold just preached a sermon. And she said a sermon about moving mountains. And so we're going to pray right now that God's going to move a mountain. And the prayer was that um, Joanne and Ron's daughter, who was flying in last night, in order to get there in time so she could say goodbye to her mother. So Donna prayed that prayer. And um, it was a beautiful prayer. It was a powerful prayer. But the reality is, God didn't answer that prayer because the daughter's flight was delayed. She didn't get there in time. So once again, it's, isn't it interesting that sometimes, you know, we get a yes and sometimes we get a no in life. But, this is, but people of deep faith, like my wife, Praise deep prayers. And sometimes we get a yes, and sometimes we don't get the answer that we're hoping for. And yet we continue to trust in the depth of God's love. Because we, as Christians, we continue to believe that in the omnipotence and the omnipresence of God. So here's, here's the last little two thoughts for today, and I, I'm... Okay, so here's the reality. Um, did anybody ever wake up in the middle of the night and God's just messing with you? Anybody else besides me? Okay, this is true, true story. So at 4.14, I get up because I need to go to the bathroom. Does that ever happen to anybody else here either? Okay, so let's just be real. Okay, so at 4.14, I wake up, I gotta go to the bathroom. And so then I lay my head on the pillow and I, I can't go back to sleep. So at 4 16, I had this thing going on in my head. I'm straight thinking. So I literally got up at 4.16 and I wrote it down on a little piece of paper at 4.16 this morning. Here it is, here it is. And so this is what I felt like God was giving to me at 4.16 in the morning. And this is the quote. Prayer is the key that unlocks the door to hope. And then I put 4.16 in the morning there. And it reminds me of what Jesus is knock and the door will be open to you. And so that prayer that my wife prayed last night for Joanne, you know, I just, what was wrapping around my head was that she was a praying a prayer that was just full of hope, that we were hoping that the daughter could get there in time. But that didn't quite work out. Some reason the, the flight was delayed. But, we, but I really believe this quote is true because I think that prayer, when it comes to prayer, it really is the key that continues to unlock the door to hope. And maybe that's the reason why Jesus is referring to this, this big, bold prayer is because you knock and the door will be open to you. And maybe the door isn't about getting the answer to what you, exactly what you asked for, but it, we continue to hope. And the guy continues to hope. We continue to hope with God, and God continues to give us hope. I mean, to me, this makes sense. It just made crystal clear sense to me at 416. Okay, so then I, I get up, and I write it down on a piece of paper, and I, okay, I'm good. I can go back to bed now. So I go back and lay my head on the pillow. No, whoa, no, God's still messing with me. He's got more. So then 
I wrote this down. At 419, (laughs) faith is accepting God's response to our prayer. So, this to me, once again, as I've struggled, and listen, haven't we all struggled in our lives with God? Are you omnipotent or are you impotent? And then, but you know, here's, I've continued to place my faith and I'm, I'm gonna believe this to my last dying breath, just like Joanne last night to her last dying breath, that she really trusts that Jesus is real, that he really does love us, and he died for us. And, and by the way, all right, you ready for this? Why, and why would we have the audacity to believe that if Jesus could pray, who is fully human and yet fully divine, the incarnate incarnation of Almighty God, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and says, Father, if there's any other way that you can let this cup pass from me, not my will, but thy will be done. So if God doesn't answer Jesus's prayer, why do I have to have the audacity to think that God's gonna answer my prayer every single time the way that I want it? Think about that. Because if he didn't answer the way that Jesus had hoped, then why should I believe that he's gonna answer the way that I... I always pray and I hope. It doesn't always work out that way. But yet, faith is accepting God's response to my prayer. So, um, you know what's interesting? Sometimes I've prayed, and I know I really need to thank God that sometimes God has not answered my prayer. I'll give you an example. I, I know I gotta wrap this up because I, we need to, I, I wanna have this precious time of communion, but here's just a thought, and let's just be real. So, a few years ago, I went to the Holy Name. I went to every holy site. I went down to the, uh, I went to the Wailing Wall. I went to the Church of the Beatitudes. I went to um, the Church of Nativity. Everywhere there is a church, and everywhere there is a church, there is an altar, and I went to the altar, and I prayed. And I prayed because I felt like my daughter was making a big, bad decision, the person that she was choosing to spend the rest of her life with, that she was going to get married. And I thought, you know, this is not going to happen. It's not going to be, I said, this is not going to be good. So I prayed. I prayed and I said, God, can you just do something? Do not let this happen. Do not let this happen. I prayed and I prayed and prayed. She got married anyway. And you know what? Here's the thing. My son-in-law, Mitchell, is the greatest son-in-law in the world. And, and I told him that this, this, this summer we were, we were going, we were in, um, on vacation together and it was just me and Olivia and Mitchell and um, we were going to the grocery store and I said, Mitchell, I gotta tell you something. I gotta confess something. I said, I, I gotta tell you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you and I want you to know how proud I am of you because here's the greatest thing. I know that you love my daughter and I know that you love my granddaughter because it shows. And I just want you to know you're a great provider. You get Olivia. God bless you. You get Olivia. This is a beautiful thing. And I said, I just want you to know that I am so grateful that you are my son-in-law. I am so grateful that God did not answer my prayer several years before because he's really good to my family. So I, I close with this once again. This is one of those little ways in which, you know, sometimes God uses people and sometimes God uses things to actually, it could be an answer to prayer I mean, once again, the book of James, he talks about, you know, faith, with, faith without works is, is dead, right? So sometimes what we do is an extension of being, God uses us to answer prayer. Can I in on that? So I close with this. Um, this came from <clears throat> the Collinsworth family. It was sent out on a Facebook the other day. 
And uh, if you don't know, Caleb was in a, a horrific, and I talked about this about a month ago, he was in a horrific uh, uh, motorcycle accident on 466 in Rolling Acres Road. And um, so I went to visit him. I, I didn't know him. I didn't know the family, but somehow Donna was connected with the person that was part of the family. So this is what they wrote after Caleb died. This came from his mother. This week we received a beautiful gift. It's a blanket from New Covenant United Methodist Church in the villages. Our friends, Julie, shared with a coworker about Caleb. The coworker is my wife. And she, along with her church, made this blanket. It is a special, it's special because these people, you've never even met us. And took tremendous time to make this beautiful blanket with our, their prayer knots. Each a different prayer said for, for him. And what they didn't know is Caleb always had a blanket. And I tried for years to break him of it, but to no avail. Even as a 20-year-old college kid, he still had a blanket. He played video games. He watched movies. He did his schoolwork with it. He even cooked it with it around his neck like a giant scarf. It is for this reason we find this thoughtful gift extra special. Wow. So let me tell you something. They're, the Catholics with families, were, their prayers were not answered the way that they hoped. But yet, in an amazing way that God really, in a, in a unique way, God used us as a church to speak truth about that hope. And we have come today to celebrate the gift of salvation found through the hope and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And amen.